Hey everybody, welcome to a very special episode of the Chad Prather Show. Glad everybody could join us today. I want to encourage you, if you're watching this thing on Facebook, as always, go over to YouTube, find the Chad Prather YouTube channel, subscribe, hit your notifications, and make sure that you are getting all the episodes if you want to watch. Now, if you just want to listen, of course, you can just listen on YouTube, but I encourage you to go wherever podcasts are offered, whether that's on Apple Podcasts on SoundCloud, Stitcher, you name it, Podbean. I mean, they're all over the place. Just go find the Chad Prather Show subscribe to it. And if you get an opportunity, don't just listen, but leave us a really good review. I like finding those and posting those. I'm still, I'm blown away and humble that anybody wants to watch or listen to this show. And I know it's all because of our peanut gallery over here with Party Foul Steve. Look at this. He's got his headphones on today. And Hot News Natalie sitting over in the peanut gallery. You guys doing okay today? Yes, they're all tuning in to see us. Everybody, I know. Everybody's, everybody's here to see Chad. They're over there reading their notes and checking things out. <laughs> I didn't wear makeup today. I was so. watching the show last night. I was watching last night's episode. And, and while Jade was going off talking about her little topic that she was dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at Steve and I'm like, Steve is just like, just just staring off into space. I don't know where to look. When, like when <laughs> Natalie's talking, do I look at her? Or do I look at you? I don't know. Or I'm just like, I, he. he's just like there until his name's called, right? At least he's not passed out. Right, exactly. Puppet Master Mark is always at the helm. And again, the brains of this entire operation, Candice, Queen of the Ethiopians. There she is back there. Look at her cute little face. I want to, when we move over into the new studio, I really want you to have like a throne, Candice. So you can be the queen of the Ethiopians. Wouldn't that make you feel good? Um, you know, I can do without it, but if that's what you wish, we'll it, make it happen. Everything I want, I get. That's okay. all that matters <laughs> around here. So welcome to Studio 22. We're hanging out. And the reason we got the, uh, you can see here, I got my earpiece in, whichever way I need to turn. But everybody's wearing their headphones is because I have my good friend and special guest today. She's coming into us, uh, coming into the studio from all the way from Utah via Skype on the Studio 22 line. Amberly Snyder. Amberly, how are you doing? I am so great. I'm so great. I'm excited to be on today. Well, I, you're making history, actually, because we've tried to do this Skype thing before in Studio 22, and we never could get the right signal in here. But look at you. Here you are. You're sitting. You're technically sitting in what we call the hot seat over here. You're all framed and looking good. So it's good to have you on. Thanks for coming on. Well, well, perfect. Thank you. I'm glad I could be sitting on the hot seat. <laughs> you're, making, you're making history in the hot seat, Studio 22. Amberly Snyder, if you don't know who Amberly Snyder is, uh, you're going to find out today and you're going to be encouraged by this story and you're going to really be, you're just going to love this. Um, and just an incredible human being. I had the opportunity to get to know her just a little bit. You're, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but your mother sent me a message a couple of years ago. And she was like, yeah, she's like, she's like, you should meet my daughter. And I was like, well, funny thing is I have met her. <laughs> like, like, as a matter of fact, yeah. that's happened. And, and so she, I was, I was encouraged by that. But do you remember back a couple of years ago when we were in Vegas and had to do the, um, we were doing that fashion show for Gypsy oh Soul and you had the, yes. you had the pink boxing gloves on. Yes. And all that stuff. That was, I can't believe they made me do that. Having to host that fashion show. That was amazing, wasn't it? It that was really was out of all of our comfort zones. It really was. And they had to, they make me put on a pink cowboy hat that was covered in glitter and drive out on that moped. I felt like a little dancing monkey or something that was out there. I couldn't even run away if I wanted to. With those <laughs> gloves on. Well, it was so, it was so nerve wracking to me because. Uh, and people will understand this here in a minute, but they were having to put you up on the stage 
to do that. And I was like, oh, dear God, this is not I don't like the way this could go. It, you know what I'm saying? So and you uh, had the gloves I, I on. I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you do. So Amberly Snyder, it, 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 so many people who follow this show and listen to this show know who you are. And of course, if they don't, they should and they will. But uh, you have a, an, a, an, a crazy story, a wild story. It's a, it's a story of hope, a story that motivates people and has been an inspiration for a lot of people. And I want to get into that just a little bit so folks will get to know you. So a barrel racer, somebody looks at you and says, OK, here's a professional athlete who has accomplished so much as a as a as a barrel racer, as a champion, as a competitor. But your story has a big twist to it. And it happened in 2010. What happened? Yes. So, I mean, I felt like my senior year of high school, I was on top of the world. Right. Everything was going exactly the way that I would plan. And then in January of 2010, I'd been offered a job at the National Western Stock Show and was going to go there and work. So I left to start my drive at 4.30. At about 10, I was going through Sinclair, Wyoming. When I looked down to check my map, when I looked up, I'd faded over lane and uh, overcorrected my truck, which resulted in it rolling, me being ejected, hitting a fence post, and breaking my back. Wow. And you you had unbuckled your seatbelt getting the map, right? And so, or, or were you riding with it? Well, so that went a tiny bit different. Yeah. So I actually stopped in Rollins, Wyoming at a gas station. And when I got back in my truck, I'd had a, I'd had a stomach ache that whole morning. Yeah. So I'd actually taken it off then. Um, but to, to look over at my map, that part is all true. So if you're thinking of how it went in the movie, like that part, uh, they, they had to combine the story a tiny bit. Yeah, and I, I wondered about that because I, I'd never heard you tell it that way, tell that yeah. part of the story. And so, and what the movie we're referring to is is Walk Ride Rodeo. Did I get that order right? I always want yeah. to get those Walk Ride Rodeo, which is a new Netflix movie uh, that's out, and we'll talk about that a little bit as we come. But they, that's kind of the way they portrayed that in the movie: is that you just unbuckled for a second and then you roll the truck mm -hmm. over. But I'd never heard you tell the story that way, so I was like, I don't think that's how that went. Exactly. <laughs> no, they, they changed that a tiny bit. They had to, you know, to make it so it all fits in in the time frame. They but, uh, they changed. But really, I'd only had it. I had taken it off less than 10 minutes before. So yeah. it really, it hadn't been off very long. Which is which is horrific and tragic. Thankfully, not tragic in the uh, in the loss of life. I'm so happy right. you're here. You know, but it, well, I mean, what's the last thing you remember in that? Did you, did you were you conscious through it all or were you just when it was happened, it just you were gone. Um, nope. I remember the whole thing. Really? So for me, I mean, I looked down on my map, looked up, was heading towards, um, you know, the metal beams on this, the reflector beams on the side of the road, went to correct my truck and I feel it sliding across this road. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm really like, just get it back straight. But as somebody who lives in, so my, well, my truck was on cruise control at 75 miles an hour. Yeah. So yeah. You know, your first, you, you go completely to reactions and I never hit my brakes because if you're, if you feel like you're sliding, if you're on ice, you don't touch your brakes. So my truck never was able to slow down. And honestly, my last thought was, this is it. I mean, as my yeah. truck is picking up off the ground, I mean, you just think, all right, well, yeah, I'm, th this is, this is the end of me right here yeah. and there's nothing you can do about it. So next thing you know, you're in a hospital and 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I feel myself leave my truck. I feel myself hit a fence post. I'm sitting on the side of the road waiting for people to come and get me. I mean. How long was it before someone came along? Was it a pretty busy highway or? Yeah. It, I mean, it wasn't too long. It was probably five minutes. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't too long. Yeah. And, and at that point in time, are you kind of doing a mental assessment of how am I? How's my body? What's going on? Am I alive? Yes. Yes. All of the above. I mean, the first thing I saw when I, um, you know, opened up my eyes was sitting there was a red semi actually drove the other way. And that was kind of my first thought of, Oh my gosh, I hope somebody yeah. finds me. And then, yeah, did a little bit of a self-evaluation, felt my head. I was thinking, okay, I remember all of it, looked at my hands and then looked at my toes and realized that they weren't moving. Mm. And even though I was in this snowbank, I felt like I was in warm water from the waist down. Oh, wow. So I definitely knew that there was something wrong there. Yeah. So long story very long story and and a lot of moving parts later you're you're paralyzed from the waist down and yeah. and how long into that did you i mean you know I hear so many different stories of from people who have gone through these traumatic experiences and these injuries and uh, it's interesting to think was your first thought I'm never going to walk again was your first thought i I'm going to get back to that point or am I ever going to ride again is, is, you know, what was, what was your, I should say your motivating factor or your sense of loss at that point in time? You know, in the beginning, it doesn't feel real. Yeah. Right. So they, they tell you, you're not going to feel your legs again. And you're like, well, no, like that, that doesn't work. Like that's not what my life plan is. So you guys are just kidding. Like, that's not how that's going to go. Um, as far as life and with my horses, I mean, I didn't care what they said, honestly, that part, I just like go in one ear and out the other. Like I'm going to get on my horses. I don't care what anybody says about that. Yeah. Um, well, and you know what, honestly, the whole hospital atmosphere, you kind of stay in this bubble of, well, once I leave here, then my real life will just go back. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the tricky part is that once you go home, all of a sudden you realize, okay, this is actually what real life is now. Yeah. It, it, because now there's a, there's not just that physical adjustment. Now there's that living adjustment. There's, there's, there, you, you're having to come into a whole new existence, a whole new experience of how you live and function from day to day. And, and I mean, everything I can only imagine. How was your family through all of that? You know, my family is the greatest. I know everyone says that about their family, but I mean, truly, I, you, you wouldn't know who I was if not for my family and my faith. I feel like those are the two pieces that have gotten to me, gotten me where I am. Well, I could throw on my horses too. Probably my family, my faith in the horses, um, is, is where I'm at. Like I, so there's six kids in my family. Yeah. I'm the second and they definitely all served a different purpose. I mean, I feel like they've all, done something different for me. And I think I've done something different for all of them too, just the way that the relationships have gone. My family's always been really close, but after my accident, I, I mean, I will talk to at least one of my siblings every day, if not more than one, like that's just how close we are. We always want to be around each other, know what's going on. And, and they were completely supportive the whole time. Something to be said about big families, you know, and I mean, you guys are in Utah, so y- y'all are probably just, y- your parents are, just tell them I said they're just getting started. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we got five kids, Jade and I, we've got five kids and, and I, and I have this joke that I do on stage about, 
you know, I got a wife, three dogs, a cat, five kids, and a vasectomy. And I said that out in Salt Lake City, and they all just looked at me like, and? <laughs> you know? I mean, five kids, Utah. Just You just you just get started, dude. Why'd you cut it up? Why'd you quit? <laughs> yeah, you're like, that's normal. Okay, great. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, but there's something to be said about big family and that in that family unit, and, and they come around you, and they, you know, it, it's it's something to be said for that. And uh, and I think that folks are missing out a lot on on – these days, everybody has 2.5 kids, you know, and, and it's you're, I think they're missing out on something by making families smaller and smaller. Of course, you know, there's folks, there's politicians out there saying we shouldn't have any more children because the world's going to end in 10 to 12 years anyway. So what difference does it make? <laughs> well, and I, I feel like, well, then just do what you want. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> have at it. But no, you come back out of that situation. And my first experience, my first exposure, I should say, to you um, was, I want to say back in 2015, correct me if I'm wrong here. Was that at the American when you rode? Yes. Yeah. And, and I was like, they were telling me your story and I was like, wait now, what? <laughs> and I, I was, I was so impressed. I mean, I'm like this, this girl hasn't missed a step. I mean, she hasn't missed a beat. How did, how did you make that adjustment back to going back into competition and say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get on a horse and I'm going to compete again. So that was kind of a process, and I wish it hadn't taken me as long as it did. Um, four months afterwards, when I finally was able to get back on for the first time, mm. um, I still had my turtle shell on, right, yeah. that, um, from breaking my back. So I just finally convinced my mother and doctors, like, I don't care that it's on. Let's just work it out. And that day was extremely hard. And like I said, you you kind of live in this world where you think, once I get back to what I did before, it's going to be fine. Yeah. So I kind of told myself that with the horse, not kind of a hat. I definitely told myself if I get back on my horse, that can't change. Of course, it's going to change. So I had to go through the modifications that first summer with the seatbelt and the Velcro straps and my feet rubber banded in. Everything all went through that summer. But then I went a nine month break without them where mm. mentally I just wasn't ready to handle it. You know, mentally, emotionally, physically, this whole world was different. And so I took a nine month break. Came back the next spring, got back on, realized it was, of course, still where I wanted to be. And then that's when I got back into competing. And the first time I cruised through a barrel pattern was on a Saturday and I entered on Monday. So wow. once I decided, like, I could do it, I was not going to wait any longer. Yeah. What was the adjustment athletically? What was the adjustment to now you're no longer, you no longer have use of your legs? How did that change how you approach the sport? You know, for me, and honestly, I still get frustrated. Like if there's a barrel that I hit somewhere or my horse does a funny move or isn't hustling that day, like I still get frustrated because I know if my legs worked, I wouldn't have some of those problems. Yeah. But for me, when I get on and I strap myself in, I try to forget about what I can't do. Yeah. So if I can't make my legs go somewhere, well, then why worry about them? They just need to let you start riding with a quirt. Yeah, and I do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, let her have I it. <laughs> my, my, the hardest thing is is my balance still. Yeah. So when it comes to like being able to hit my horse here and there, I've carried you know I've had an over and under. I've had like a, a little whip on one hand, and I've been carrying a bat in the other. Like I've gotten intense <laughs> from time to time. 
<laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been a real show out there. On I can only imagine. But I remember there for a little while, it, and you may still be doing these. Uh, social media has gotten so crazy, but I know that you were kind of doing those those day in the life lessons of how you were coping with day to day things, and, and you were putting this little videos on social media. And are you still doing those videos at all? Uh, like my wheelchair Wednesdays. You wheelchair Wednesdays, yes. Yes, and I've been slacking. <laughs> it's I, easy to do. It's so hard. Like I, life just gets busy, right? And that should never be an excuse for anything. But um, I honestly want to restart them because I feel like I have such a new flood of people that are following that I feel like I need to take them back to the beginning of how I discovered how to do anything again. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because we got a lot of people who watch this and listen to this. So let's talk about kind of what your motivation was for doing those wheelchair Wednesdays. Because in my opinion, you know, it's it's you. How's, what's the best way to put this? You've never let your injury sort of define you, even though people want to make it define you. It doesn't define you. Like when I think of Amberly Snyder. I don't think of a girl that lost the use of her legs. I think of a professional athlete who's out there getting it done and making people motivated. And you've never played the victim role. You never played the victim mentality. You've said, this is my chair. This is what I use. This is part of me now. This is my life. Um, You haven't looked for sympathy out of that. And I I loved how you did that with the Wheelchair Wednesday. So kind of what was your motivation in doing that? What were you hoping to accomplish? And kind of walk people through what those were. So the wheelchair Wednesdays started, I was, I had a lot of people that were asking me, well, I should say it started with building a fan page. So my, my friend's count had gotten full on a normal Facebook page. And then people were saying you should build a fan page. And I'm like, let's get real. I don't think I'm cool enough that people are going to follow a fan page like that. (laughs) You're really putting yourself out there at that point. People can decide to like you or not, and you're going to know. So I finally caved, started that, and then I was getting asked on there all the time in my messages, how do you, how do, you do certain things, you know, um, with your horses or not with your horses? People are getting hurt all the time. People have injuries. People have challenges every single day. And so they were just asking me how I did stuff, and I was writing them back, and I just thought, you know, it would be so much easier if I just showed them. Yeah. If I just showed people, this is how I do this. This is what I have figured out. It might not be the best way. It might not be perfect, but this is what I've learned or relearned how to do. So I started posting those and oh my gosh, people loved them. And I always felt like such a dork when I would film them, (laughs) but they loved them. So I'm like, all right, if people love it, you give it to them, right? Like that's how that works. So I, and honestly, I mean, it was, it was as I was rediscovering things in myself too. I mean, of course I had at that point figured out how to do daily life stuff, but with my horses, everything was a new challenge. I mean, anytime I came to a spot that didn't work, well, how do we figure this out? And then once I'd figure it out, I'll share it with the people who want to know. Yeah. I can. And and so I'll go back to what I alluded to earlier. Uh, We did that. Um, we were at the Wrangler Gold Buckle Zone for NFR, and I want to say that was 2015 or 16. I, I, don't, I don't even remember. Something like that. It, but Gypsy Soul had their – they Lovan Newkirk and uh, Amy Morehouse, uh, they had asked me – they said, will you host and MC this fashion show? And I'm like, um, are y'all going to make me look stupid? Because I'm, I'm pretty good at that by myself. And they said, no, you're going to have a blast. I said, please don't make me – because I know how flashy those girls are. I'm like – and so people kept giving me a hard time because I had to do it every other night for five shows during the NFR. And people were saying, they said, 
Chad, are you not embarrassed doing that? I'm like, wait a minute. I get to go out there for 20 minutes with 30, uh, 30 professional dancers from Las Vegas. And between every set, I get to go backstage. And I'm like their older brother. I'm the only one allowed back there. And they're all changing clothes and stuff. And I'm like, it, it was a pretty sweet gig, actually. You're like, no, there's nothing wrong with it at all. And so I know they had different celebrity appearances. And you were one of them that night. And they had you all decked out. And they had those sparkly uh, pink uh, boxing gloves on you like we were talking about. And that's why you were saying you couldn't run away if you wanted to because you were in the chair. And to get you up there, if I remember right, they were having to pick you up in the chair and, yes. and take you up to the to the thing. And I was like, oh, dear God, don't let this go wrong. This could be a, well, this could be a PR nightmare. Is it's like even if they dropped me, I had I couldn't even catch myself. Right. Like it was. And then I have that huge sparkly hat that they had. Yeah. Bobby pinned to my head because my head's so stinking small that nothing fits it. <laughs> So, I mean, I'm like a, just a teetering – I'm just – it was just a mess. Yeah, just well, that's, that's – But it I, worked. It worked. Thank goodness it worked. It did work, and you looked great, and it was amazing. It was That was actually a fun, fun deal. And they, every night I had to put on – they had taken that American hat, straw cowboy hat, and they had painted it pink with the sparkles on it. And they were like, you get to wear this while you drive the pink moped out every day. And I was like, you said you weren't going to make me look stupid. And they were like, ah, right. you can do it. You can own this, you know. And I was like, oh, you guys are going to make me look foolish. But I owned it, and we did what we had to do. But, no, that was a lot of fun doing doing that thing with them. And I and I can remember, um, you know, like, like when I saw you – and, and I, I love the way you handle yourself in so many situations. Like, I don't even know if you remember, but when we were at the Global Cup, the PBR Global Cup a few weeks ago, and you looked up, we were out in that center deal underneath the big screen out there at the 50-yard line at AT&T Stadium, and you said, "I carry me down these stairs. And so I just took you out of the chair and carried you <laughs> down there, put you back in the chair, and you were on your way. But you had an episode that happened recently with the airline, right, that kind of went south. What happened yeah, with that yeah. deal? Yeah, I try to keep my cool. I, I know really you do. do. What happened with that deal? I, um, you know what? They so I, I fly a lot. Like sure. I fly a couple times a week, and I mean, I like to be able to keep as much independence as I can. I understand that my chair doesn't it does not fit inside of the plane. I yeah. get that. So there's an aisle chair that you have to transfer to, but everything else I like to do myself. Not not because I don't accept help. I do. I love help. I appreciate help. But one of the things I don't like is feeling like somebody can drag me in my chair or turn me around or pull me in my chair. That's a feeling I don't appreciate. Right. Um, so to go down the runway, they he said I had to have somebody take me backwards. And I said, no, like I don't I don't have to do that. I, I do this all the time. I can take myself down the jetway to the to the door of the plane and then I'll transfer to the aisle chair. And he said, no, I mean, in order for you to get on this plane, you have to have somebody take you backwards. And I didn't appreciate that because to me, you know, I worked super hard to be independent. I I fly by myself on purpose for that. I mean, I have a lot of people ask me, why do you why do you travel by yourself when you speak? And I said, because I can. Why not? Yeah. Like, I, and it's harder. Of course, it's easier if I took somebody with me. But I have to get help with everything else. And well, when I say everything else, it's literally just my horses. But still, that feels. Chad like can't fly else. by himself. <laughs> yeah, Steve. <laughs> Steve, yeah, they, like they won't let me on the plane by myself either. Yeah. So they, well, they just wouldn't let me go down the jetway, and I, he told me I couldn't get on the plane if I didn't. So they honestly, and I said, well, then you don't have permission to touch my chair. Like this is an extension of me, and I don't give you permission to do that. So they made me transfer. He said, well, like he said, you're not getting on the plane then. So he made me transfer to an airport wheelchair to be taken down the jetway backwards to then get on the aisle chair to then get on the plane. 
It was just kind of a fiasco. Yeah. I mean, when when you've got somebody that, you know, and here I am, I complain when they make me send my cowboy hat through the uh, scanner, you know, (laughs) I'm like, so I can only imagine. I mean, it would, it would, it would tick me off too, because you're right. It's an extension of you. It's part of you. I mean, you know, here we live in this Me Too movement era where everybody's, you know, flaking out over these different things and these, these, and it's like, don't touch me. Don't touch my stuff. Don't touch my chair. Don't anything. And so when I read that story, I was, I was, kind of mad for you you know what i mean thank you for that i was kind of had that righteous indignation like when they think that they can just move my chair or move me however they want or see fit i'm like this is a part of me like nobody's going to go over and pick you up and move you over three feet because that's where they want you to be but for some reason sometimes people feel like they can do that with my chair yeah that's that's frustrating i know and i know natalie and and them are sitting over here they want to ask a question well i did but actually i want to ask why what was their reasoning for making her go down backwards making you go down backwards liability they said liability and i told them hey if i can't handle my own chair i won't i wouldn't be here in the first place seriously yeah i want to i mean i get that i'm sure somebody out there somewhere got tipped out and they got mad and then they had to make a change but Mm -hmm. what has been very very interesting like i don't imagine that the other airlines know who i am but it's been really crazy how much people are nice from sure and and i have no idea like every single time i go to an airlines after that like I said, I don't want to assume that they've all heard this story and they probably all did this in the beginning anyway. They just say, hey, you tell me what you can handle. Um, do, do you want to get yourself down to the door? And I'm like, yep, I do. They're like, all right, perfect. Well, that's because we've been working the phones, Amberly. We've been calling around all the air- airlines saying, well, you look out for my girl. Every airline has a picture of her in the break room. <laughs> don't touch her chair. I, honestly, I've wondered that a couple times. I'm not going to lie. Since that don't. time, I've wondered a couple times if, like, my name, they scan my name and it pops up, like, hey, she's for real. <laughs> you better be nice to her. This girl will cut you. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a huge family in Utah, and they will come for you. <laughs> I know. I have like I have an army. Is what I have. That's so so funny. So let's 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 talk about some exciting things here. So you have, I mean, not everybody can say there's a biopic. There's there that there's a movie made about their life. And on March eighth, Netflix released uh, Walk Ride Rodeo, the story of Amberly Snyder. When they approached you. What what was your emotion on that? What was your feeling on all of those things? I said no. Yeah. Yeah. Why'd you um, say no? It's, it's, huh? Why'd you say no? Um, I felt like that my family had been through enough the first time around. Yeah. It was you one know? of those things you just didn't want them to have to relive that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that goes along with it. It's easier for me because I tell my story all the time. Sure. So I feel like that, you know, I've told my story since the very first day of it. And it's made it easier, but my family hasn't. And so, and there's, I mean, there's intimate details that go along when they want to tell a story. And, and of course, you know, that they're going to twist some things and they're going to extend some things. And that part's kind of frustrating too. So originally I said, no, it started in 2013 was actually when the first company came to me, Mm -hmm. said, no, my parents talked me into it. We got the script written. Their contract ended. The new person came along once again. I said, no. My parents convinced me once again. It was a good idea. Um, that was after the American. So we made some changes to the script. And then 2018 is when Netflix got on board. Yeah. What What? Uh, what was your parents? Why did, they, why did they talk you into it? What was their motivation for that? Um, they just, they reminded me that, that it's, um, I mean, it's bigger than us. 
you yeah. know, it's even though it's going to be hard for the family, like it can help enough people that it's worth it. Yeah. And that, I mean, God has our back. And so we just have to remember that there's a plan behind it and let's just go with that. Yeah. And that was one of those things. They just felt like your story was going to impact so many more people and help so many <laughs> more people that it was, it was worth the telling. And, and I, and I have to, I have to commend both you and them. I, I commend you for the compassion that you had of not wanting to put your family back through that again, because I, you know, again, I, with, I think of my own kids, you know, I've got them from age 12 up to 21. My, my three oldest are my girls and, and I, I've kind of walked through your story thinking through my eyes as a parent and looking at them and thinking that would be hard. That would be, you know, mm -hmm. devastatingly hard in so many ways because you do. You want to protect your children every way you can. And you were you were kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. You're looking to protect your family from it. But at the same time, they saw this story and they're certainly proud of you. I mean, my gosh, I, I can't imagine as a parent watching someone watching your daughter be as as strong and tough and independent as you've been i mean that's a big thing because a lot of people and i deal with people on a daily basis who want to kind of crawl up in that in that ball and navel gaze and and just become victims and and they are identified by their problem or or their tragedy and you just haven't done that and i appreciate that about you so you know, for me and the listeners and everybody else, thank you for, for being that way. It's it's an encouraging thing. And your parents obviously saw that and said, go tell your story. So that yeah, obviously it, they it, did. It's, kind of, it's really been crazy how it has worked out. Like yeah. I am a true believer and everything happens for a reason. And anytime I doubt that, I'm reminded that it's a real thing. Yeah. So, so, so overall. The whole part, speaking the, the movie, all of it. It wasn't, I don't know. I tell people it wasn't like I woke up one day and was like, man, today I'm going to be an inspiration. You know, you, you don't wake up like that. No. <laughs> it's yeah. literally for me, it was okay. Well, today I'm going to live my life like I would have anyway. And I've just been lucky enough that people have found motivation from it. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's like when you referred earlier to having a Facebook fan page and you're like, wait a minute, why would I have, I don't have fans. I have friends, you know, <laughs> I, know. I can remember back when I first started that and it was, it was really because ride TV kind of made me do it. They said, we need all of our talent to have a fan page. And I started it. And then I was like, well, I, you know, I don't really have fans. And then all of a sudden people turn around, they start referring to you as things like celebrity and, and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, those don't fit. That just right. doesn't fit my life, you know? Right. I have people ask me all the time, how does it feel to be famous? I said, I don't know. I'll let you know when I figure it out. I don't. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I tell people all the time, they're like, well, you're famous. Is it hard to go places in public? I'm like, no. Like, Blake Shelton is famous, right? Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like, Blake Shelton can't go to Walmart. Like, I can still go to Walmart. It, I, I try not to, but I, but I can still go to Walmart. You still take your own trash out. Kind of <laughs> I thing, did right? this morning. Yeah. I took my own trash out. But, uh, yeah, but anyway, it, but, but, you know, that's the thing. Were you happy overall with how the movie came out? Did you feel like it, it conveyed the story you wanted it to tell? You know, I really did. Like the message, the, the message is right. Yeah. Um, the on, I honestly cried more in the remaking of it than I did in the real life version. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because there were so many things, just every time something was changed, I was frustrated. Yeah. And it was just a really high stress situation, but when it came out and I was able to see the finished product, I think that the message is right in that part. I appreciate. Yeah. And one of the, one of the things is you said in order to do it, you wanted to be the, the stunt double for the writing, right? Yes. The post-accident writing. Yes. And it, did I read I, it? I'm the only one in the United States that does what I do. Yeah. So I didn't want them to uh, go find 
someone and say, all right, jump on and pretend like your legs don't work. That's going to look cheesy. Yeah, that's, that's not, not going to work. Yeah, anybody, that's kind of like, I, I, I usually shy away from sports movies because as a former athlete, in, as a, and I say that as a baseball player, I see things and I'm like, eh, why you got to cheese the game up so much, you know? And, and it's like, it's so not like how it really is. So if anybody who understands barrel racing in that world, they would watch it and they would say, yeah, that's, that's not how that goes down. And certainly anybody that's ever seen you ride, it would be, wouldn't be right. So now, did I read that your sister did the, 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 um, she did the writing, the pre-accident writing as you? Yes. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, so Good. she's like, so my, in my family, my littlest sister is the only one that rides with me. And it's my family. So if I could have changed one thing in the movie, it would have been to understand how cool my whole family is on how diverse everyone is. Yeah. And I wish that they had done that. Yeah. Okay. You know, my dad played baseball for eight and a half years in the majors. My brothers both played. My sister was a gymnast. Like they're kind of cool. <laughs> but my littlest sister's the one that rides with me. And she, of course she's become my mini me. And so I told yeah. them when they were like, well, what are we going to do for these pre-accident things? Maybe we'll just have Spencer do it. Spencer's who played me. Spencer had a horse for getting hired to play me. So I'm like, uh, that's going to work for anything faster than a trot. So yeah. anyway, that's why I pulled Ottoman. Yeah. So that's not a good idea. Natalie, you had a question earlier. Do you still have, would you? Yeah, it was actually kind of back to, I guess, Amberly right after the shock and kind of wrapping your head around this. You said you had your faith and, and your family and your horses, but how did, how have, how did you wrap your head around it internally? Um, so as Obviously now this is your message and, and you are an inspiration for so many because I have three kids and I'm just thinking about this right now, how how awesome you are. How did you wrap your head around that to move forward? Um, you know what? It's still a daily thing sometimes. Like I feel like um, it, it's not even like that it's easy all the time. Like um, I had somebody the other day ask me if I loved my chair and I said no. I don't love my chair. I still don't look at it like that. Um, it has definitely helped me get to where I'm at and it's provided a lot of opportunities. So after my accident, I feel like it was such a daily grind. You know, there was days that it, to get out of bed was a challenge in itself. And then getting back on my horse gave me strength or, you know, my family gave me strength. There was just bits and pieces. The idea even still to wrap my head around the fact that like my legs don't work I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, this is really annoying. Why don't I just fix this? Like, <laughs> what? I don't know. I, it doesn't even make sense. But like some days I'm just like, oh my gosh, Amberly, it'd be so much more convenient if you just would stand up. Like, come on, like figure it out. Um, I don't know. I, I hope that answers your question, but it's like, it's a daily grind. I mean, it's a daily process of reminding myself that this is where I'm at um, and I get to choose how I'm going to allow it to affect my daily life. That's a, that's a great response to that. And I, and that you did answer that question. I mean, that's, that's a perfect response. And I know that, I know that it's a daily effort. I mean, cause I know you've got the stand up chair. I, I don't even know what you call that, but I know it stands you up and kind of, yeah. And it kind of gives you the, kind of gives you the, the blood flow and things like that. And the, I'm assuming some of the therapy that goes along with that, because there's so many challenges and stuff that you have to deal with on a daily basis that so many people these days now take for granted. So. 
I, uh, I appreciate your attitude through all of that stuff. I know you're out, and, and I'm going to let you go here in a second. I, I know that you're out. You're speaking. You're always out speaking, and, and I want you to always be out speaking. I don't want you to ever quit that. So if people are interested in having you in or, or bringing you on, first of all, where can they find you on social media? They can find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat. Did I name them all? I think so. Is everything Amberly Amberly Snyder? Amberly Snyder. Okay. Yep. And we and we're gonna put the we're gonna put the uh, the the at thing up there the the whatever you call those the handles. You would think as a social media guy would know all this stuff, but I really don't. <laughs> yeah. 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 The at thing. The, <laughs> the at thingy. That's like I was on a plane the other day flying home, and all of a sudden it was going down the runway, and they slammed on the brakes on the plane and had to do a U turn and go back and do a U-turn and take off again. And the pilot came over and he said, and I swear this is what he said. He said, sorry that we had a, we had an indicator light that came on with the steering thingy. <laughs> I, You're like, like, I don't think that's the technical term. Confident. I don't think that's the technical term for that, but whatever. <laughs> so anyway, if people want to get in touch with you, AmberlySnyder.com. Org. AmberlySnyder.org. Look at you. All right. I always yeah. feel like the dot orgs. Y'all, y'all have like a special place because y'all are y'all are doing something. It's it's we have the back. orgs because the comms were already stolen. <laughs> AmberlySnyder dot org. Well, yep. you're you're about to travel. I'm about to travel. We're gonna we're gonna pass in the air and I'll wave at you. Hopefully they, they'll everybody knows what to do with the steering thingy. Yeah, I'm gonna say hopefully your steering thingy's going all right. <laughs> That's good, Amberly. You are charming. You are lovely. I appreciate you. Thank you for sitting down, and hanging out with us today. And now I say sitting down, no pun intended. I mean we're we're all having to do I that. I thought, wow, so I, clever. I know. <laughs> leave it to me. I'm just a redneck who makes words up as he goes along. <laughs> oh, that's I'm used that's to, how we make it work. I know. I'm used to I'm used to having people over here in the hot seat and you're 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 just sit, hanging out looking lovely in our little framed thing here. So thank, thank you, you so much. I look forward to seeing you very soon. God bless you and take care. We'll talk to you soon, Amberly. Hey, thank you so much. See you guys later. You bet. Take care. Amberly Snyder, folks, listen, I want to tell you that is a beautiful, charming, incredible human being. And just to be around her in person, uh, you take the charisma you see right there on the screen or listening through the audio, you multiply that by the nth degree. She just is full of grace and just a great human being. And so I encourage you, if you got an organization that's, that's out there, could use some motivating and hear a really inspiring story from an incredible human being, go to AmberlySnyder.org. Check her movie out, uh, Walk, Ride, Rodeo on Netflix. Uh, it's a pretty special story. And uh, follow her on social media. Make sure you get to do that. As always, I'm going to give that shameless, selfish plug, unselfish plug, and that is, uh, I guess it would be selfish, wouldn't it, Mark? I'm going to plug myself. It's pretty selfish. I mean, we're going to be pretty selfish. Uh, you know, party foul Steve and hot news Natalie over there. I, I, I will give you guys kudos for, for just being amazing human beings too. But back to me. I was playing on my phone. <laughs> Trust me. I, I was, I'm, I'm trying to take care of next week's shows. I know you were. Hey, you get those shows advanced. We got miles to travel, brother. Yeah. Come and find us out on the road. Watchchad.com has all the tour dates. We just announced a special. Yeah, I know some of you are going to roll your eyes. It's a Father's Day show. Father's Day, Huntsville, Texas. Uh, so come down there and, uh, no, we will not be at the prison. Uh, so we're not going to be, we're not going to be dealing with those fathers. We're incarcerated. I don't even know if we can make fun of that, but Hey, I make fun of everything. So, um, 
Old Town Theater, Huntsville. We're gonna, what is it? Old Town Theater in Huntsville, Texas. So we're going to be our, – our show uh, is now on sale for Stafford, Texas, which is west of Houston. Uh, that is going to be on September 14th, and then we are going – not September. That's, that's Folsom. I have no. prison. Prison's on the brain. That's in September. We're going to be in Stafford, Texas on the 14th of June. The 15th of June, we're going to be in San Antonio for a second appearance at the Empire Theater. And then uh, June 16th, we are going – that is Father's Day. That's a Sunday night show. So come out and hang out with us there in Huntsville, Texas, which is north, north of Houston. Uh, If you're in Texas, you know where Huntsville is. If you've ever done time, you know where Huntsville is. But speaking of Folsom, uh, I think it's September 16th. We're going to be at Folsom, California. Again, not at the prison. <laughs> this is the Chad Prather prison tour. I would love Knock to do on it. wood. We never want to. Not that we won't go to the prisons. I don't want to go to prison. You know what I'm saying? That, there's a big difference. And I don't think I've done anything worthy of that. So thanks again to Amberly Snyder for coming on and putting up with us and, and listening to, to, you know, being, being able to hear her story is just such. Such a motivating thing, and it just makes you appreciate not only life, but just appreciate all the good things God's given you. And so I hope that you guys will take an opportunity to to hug your family, hug your children, hug your parents, hug those close to you, hug your spouse, and just love on people today and, and tell them you love them because that's what matters. Life is short. Life is fragile. Life is fleeting. And and I tell you, man, uh, people like Amberly remind you that life is so valuable. So I love you guys. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Continue to do so, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.